0: Hey, DNVR listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Croft! is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. CBD infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, it's helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Estrava says, "Drink deeply, live fully." Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code DNVR20 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. waited for it. You waited a long time for it. But I think we can all agree the moment is right. So turn it up. Pump it up in your headphones, in your car. Turn this one up Nuggets Nation. The Nuggets are back. The Denver Nuggets are back. Your Denver Nuggets. An impressive win. A satisfying win. One of the best sports nights that you are going to get. The Denver Nuggets comeback from 21 down, a franchise record comeback at Pepsi Center on Friday night, and it's got me recording a podcast on a Saturday, family day. Here I am rewatching the game and providing some notes for you and playing the happy music. I'm still writing high. I, I am still feeling this one from last night. I think everybody is, based on just the social media interaction, how much everybody's jonesing for this right now. Den- the Denver Nuggets appear to have snapped out of some kind of funk sometime in that second half. Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic, our guy, goes toe-to-toe with Joel Embiid and I think left little doubt about which of the p- two players was better. We're going to get into all the news and notes today from that game, relive it a little bit, have a little bit of fun. But first, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Total Beverage. DNVR Nuggets uh, podcast entirely is brought to you by Denver, uh, by Total Beverage. Phenomenal partner with us. You can check them out on the web, totalbev.com. And you can even get them. They, sh- they deliver to your door. So if you're looking to have a party tonight, go with Total Bev. You're gonna you're not going to regret it. All right, let's get into it, guys. This, no, this podcast might be a little abbreviated because, like I said, don't usually do Saturday or Sunday shows on either of the podcasts that I run, this one or Locked on Nuggets. But how could I not after last night? I, it's been a while since since I think the Denver Nuggets fans have felt that way. I mean, there are some great games in the playoffs. So I guess it wasn't that long ago, maybe five months ago. But to start this season, we certainly didn't get this. People were asking me after a couple wins, like, when are you going to play the, the happy music, man? We're, you know when the happy music has come in. It's special. There are good moments throughout the season, but there are only a, few, you know, a handful of special moments that call for that. And um, last night was certainly one of them. If you were at the game, you felt it in that arena. That was a phenomenal sports moment. Just so much, you know, and I got to say, Den, the, the Pepsi Center, I was talking to some people about this the other day. Two years ago, the Nuggets, when they had an exciting game, it wasn't an educated fan base. And what I mean by that is, it wasn't, uh, the people at the Pepsi Center weren't familiar with this Nuggets team. And, you know, they were still young and up and coming. They hadn't made the playoffs or whatever. But over the last two years, you can tell, especially, I would say especially starting last year, but even more so now, you know, not only do you see all the new jerseys. For a while there, you saw a bunch of Carmelo's and Iverson's and, you know, whatever left over from previous iterations, maybe some Kenneth Farid's. Um, But now you see only this new generation of Nuggets. You see a lot of Jokic and Murray. You see some Michael Porter Jr., some Gary Harris, Will Barton's even. And it's just, it, and then on top of that, you know, you know, players kind of know, who the guys are, what the storylines are around the guys, what the big moments are, and you can just feel it in the arena when Torrey Craig th- um, takes a wide-open three-pointer. You feel both the nervousness and the relief when he makes it. Um, when Jamal Murray does something, it, or when Denver kind of gets that momentum and gets that look in their eye like they did in this fourth quarter, everybody in the arena kind of knows it and senses it, and it's just a lot of fun to see this fan base develop and sort of grow over the years, and um, and then you know coming into the season, <laughs> just how – and miserable the Nuggets were for large stretches of it, even through the winds. And you could just get see a fan base that was just dying for a party, and they got one brought to them. So what a satisfying night. How rare is it in sports that you get a night that brings you all of the different things in once? I mean, this was one of those things that brought all of the best of sports onto one silver platter and delivered it right to every Nuggets uh, person that was able to watch it. Um shouts to DirecTV. I look, I have no dog in the fight here. i largely abstain from this. But it's funny watching the leverage play between the cable companies and um and uh and Altitude because now DirecTV has Altitude but Comcast, I think, is the largest provider here in Denver. And for whatever reason, they are sitting on their ass and not getting a deal done. Well, it's funny. You know how you really shift leverage back into the favor of altitude? And I think it already started last night. You have amazing A-plus moments. That was one of my five, ten favorite, probably five favorite regular season games. Maybe three. One of my top three favorite regular season games at Pepsi Center. And sadly, Every Comcast customer in Denver did not get it because of Comcast's um, you know, stance. And again, I don't care about the details. I think most fans don't care about the details of who's offering what. But if DirecTV can get it done, then Comcast can get it done. And the fact that they haven't. Um, they, they, I I expect the deal gets done because the longer they sit on this, the more people are just going to turn against them. But how rare of a night is it for everybody that was able to watch it? How rare of a night was it? Not only was there a 21 point comeback, which was the largest in franchise history, but the team, so many different things that you want to get out of a game and get specifically out of these nuggets. you got the monkey is off the back. It's a real thing in sports. In baseball, this is a big thing when a, a pitcher or a player, or usually a hitter, is in a slump or a team is in a slump and you're just like, man, what is going on? It's a collective slump they can't get out of. And then, you know, there's like the floodgates open one game and like a whole stadium can feel just like, oh, my God, thank God. That's how this game felt. This fourth quarter was we know this Nuggets team is good. I don't think anybody that knew what they were talking about looked at this roster and thought, man, they're maybe they're just overrated or whatever. Everybody saw, first of all, they were 5-2 and two coming into this one despite not playing well. But th- but you know there there was this feeling of they're just playing at like forty percent capacity. They could be so much better. Well, last night it felt like that slump where everybody got out of it in the fourth quarter at the same time, and um, it was just it was a tangible feeling. It's a thing you could feel as this game was going on. But then on top of that, Jamal Murray could not be more impressive. I'm gonna talk more about him at the end of the show, but he was just a gamer down the stretch. I feel like Jamal Murray is built for moments like last night. If I could pick out of all the entire NBA about okay, you're in the situation down 21 and you need to make some really you know tough plays They're not always going to be the easy ones, but you need to make tough plays and oh by the way, show some poise um, and, and just make the right read. Jamal Murray you don't there's not too many guys you would take above Jamal Murray in that moment. What an absolute stud and what a huge leap he has made. Will Barton, my guy. Will Barton, who a large portion of the fan base turned on when he had a torn ab muscle, no forgiveness from the fan base for that happening, and you know, obviously faith in of from myself and his ability to kind of bounce back, being rewarded and just so many big plays by him. You could say the same thing about Paul Millsap. You know, there's one high-profile writer in town, but there's a lot of radio talk hosts that I was talking to Matt Moore about this the other day, who's on um the fan 104.3 the fan. He's their Nuggets insider. I'm talking to him about this and, you know, a lot of the hosts always ask, is Jeremy Grant going to start over Paul Millsap? Like, get out of here. Paul Millsap is a heck of a player, and may, the, the people that know basketball know. Draymond Green gave him a shout out last night, and he kind of referenced this. Draymond Paul Millsap is sort of the B version of Draymond Green in a lot of ways defensively. I mean, he does, and that's no knock on Paul Millsap, by the way. Draymond Green's like the best of all time at what he does, so it's like saying he's the B version of Michael Jordan. That's a hell of a player. That's like a, a you know Kobe Bryant's the B version of Michael Jordan. That's he's like one of the best players ever. Um, Paul Millsap the B version of Draymond Green and it was so cool to see Draymond talking about him and Jamal Murray kind of giving them a shout out for one it shows you that the Nuggets have piqued the interest of, of players high profile players around around the league but also just especially on rewatch you go back and watch and Millsap made a dozen plays I'm not kidding I'm gonna do probably on the list for maybe for Monday maybe I'll work on it tonight or tomorrow if I have time Um, don't usually do that kind of stuff on the weekend, but you know, maybe I'll, this one was such a big one. Maybe I'll, will find time for it, but he made so many defensive plays. I'm going to make a whole super cut of all the little things you missed the first time through, but made such an impact on Denver winning. And then of course, Nikola Jokic going up against Joel Embiid. And dominating that matchup, especially when it came, when it mattered. Jokic struggled for large portions of this game. Twitter, especially Sixers Twitter, had a field day talking about how fat and lazy and overrated Jokic is. And Embiid's just so much better. And then for there to be left, at the end of this game, nobody, nobody could be left with any doubt about who played better. People can still argue. People will always argue. And look, I love Embiid. He's one of my, like, five favorite players. So it brings me no joy to... to just try to trash the guy or this or that but you know for people to 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 think that um Jokic for, there, there's no player in the NBA who has a larger discrepancy between how um uh, fans, like general casual NBA fans, think about them and how people that actually know what the hell they're talking about think about him and Jokic, there's a reason he was voted first-team All-NBA. There's a reason he's talked about by many of his peers in the NBA as being this incredible talent, and there's a reason so many people talk about how he's one of the toughest guard people to guard in the league. Embiid, by the way, a guy who has beef with everybody in the league, does not have beef with Jokic for two reasons. One, Jokic isn't a clown like some of these other guys that – you know, are, are just always the love of the fame, not love of the game. Jokic isn't that way. He doesn't care to get into these beefs. But number two, Embiid knows. He knows. You watch this game and you go back and watch that fourth quarter. Embiid knows how tough of a cover this guy is. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff in, in parts two and three. You, Embiid understands Jokic. He has to guard him. He knows how difficult he is and how smart he is and how much you're constantly put in the pressure cooker when you're trying to figure him out. It's a game of chess. People always laugh. I think um, Evan Fiala had this great tweet on on Twitter that I just saw as I was getting ready to record this, said something like, Jokic's mind is in shape and that's all that really matters. Well, I don't agree that it's all that matters, but the point remains... Jokic, when you're on the court with him, yes, Embiid is faster. Yes, Embiid is stronger. Although Jokic is underrated how strong he is, um, but yes, Embiid is stronger. Yes, Embiid has all of these individual talents. But when you step on the court with Nikola Jokic, it's your brain that is put to the t- to the test. And Jokic's brain is better than anybody else's, and that's what mattered in the fourth quarter of this game absolutely outplayed him, and to do it in the fashion that they did was just so rewarding. This Denver Nuggets team shaking off a slump the way that they did was absolutely incredible, and uh, Nuggets fans really, really, really needed to savor this one. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to dive into the notes. Got a lot of them um, from the second half of this game, which is, I think, the most important and compelling part. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. You guys know how supporting local businesses is in our blood. Everybody we promote here, local, Denver local. We are the Denver company. We are Denver. So we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rumper Company. And I love this line. It's not what you think it is. You naughty people. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from customer die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming. We've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubbers. Um, the blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. Uh, we went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created, uh, proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades. And we even witnessed machines that cut materials that used in bulletproof vets. They've, these machines are, are insane. Absolutely crazy. Um, remember Denver Rumber Company custom makes it all and you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy in bulk at a fantastic rate and they're family owned Denver Company business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR be sure to call them today for any snow plow needs custom gaskets, hoses, etc. 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and tell them who sent you and of course if you do go and visit and have a great experience as always Let us know about it. How about this bumper music? Best bumper music in the game. Let's get in. Who's ready to get into the details here? Game plan was for Jokic to pick and pop and take a lot of threes. So Joel Embiid, fantastic rim protector, fantastic defender in general, and really more of a rim deterrent, or he's a rim protector first, rim deterrent second, because everybody's afraid to go attack him. And the way that he he guards the pick and roll is that he drops into the paint and dares anybody to come challenge him. It's like he plants himself there right at the free throw line or right around the free throw line and just says, are you coming in here? I'm going to block you. And it's a great defense. It gets a lot of teams to not challenge him at the rim. Um, the, The antidote to that for especially for a player like Jokic, is rather than rolling to the rim where Embiid, you know, you, we always talk about the big playing cat and mouse. Well, Embiid is seven foot two athletic, and just phenomenal timing and instincts and feel. Well, um, the way to get that is to pop out to the three-point line and knock down threes, but Jokic just could not do that in this game. He was off. He was not knocking them down. And it, this is a big reason of why Denver fell 15, 20 points behind, is they um, – the one way you sort of make them punish, the one easy open shot you can get is your big popping, and they weren't getting it. So um, Denver did a great job, I thought, defensively of collapsing on Embiid. One of the reasons – and, you know, look, again, I'm high on Embiid. This, when I talk about it, I really – it's a bummer that, that there's this sort of dialogue about p- comparing the two guys. But one of the things that makes Jokic so different than Embiid, so different, is that when you double Jokic, doubling Jokic is actually the worst option Sticking to him and guarding him um, straight up is the best option, but he's a really, really efficient post player. Well, with Embiid, as we saw in this game, eight turnovers and a lot of those in that fourth quarter, he just does not feel the court. Well, I always say that he's a guy that, um, uh, see, so he had three turnovers in that in that fourth quarter, four points, uh, two of them on free throws, one of them on a layup. So he um, he's a guy that I think you can really tell spent three years of his career, early career, playing one-on-one with um, with uh, his trainer, Drew Hanlon, because he's a great one-on-one player, but he really does not read the court well. And Jokic, of course, reads the court as well as any player in the NBA, and it's a huge difference. Um, so he had a lot of turnovers, and a lot of those were just from collapsing on him and him not make, not understanding how to bend the court the way that he wants. If there was Exhibit A of that last night was it, Denver was clearly bothered by Philly's size, And this is going to be a thing that I think becomes a theme for this team going forward, especially when you see some of the length in the pieces behind the starting lineup. You know, Malik Beasley... Um, Michael Porter Jr., even Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jeremy Grant. There's some really, really long guys, and you see the value of the Corkmazes and the Tobias' Harris. They were without Simmons, but he's another piece you could add to that. Um, there's a lot of value to just having that much size because it bothered Denver's guards. They couldn't get their shots off, and then when they would trap or, or be aggressive in the pick-and-roll, you know, Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, they just had a hard time of seeing the court because of how much size was in front of them. Um, and there was a reason Corkmaz and Harris went off when – um, the in that first half. Both of those guys had phenomenal first halves, and a large part of that is because, you know, Gary Harris has a hard time contesting a shot at the three-point line for a guy that's that much taller than him or guarding him in the post when a guy can turn and, and, and score like that. So um, a lot of size for them. But the second half, so we're in the third quarter. Denver cut it to six points in the third. That first unit played really, really well for most of the game. Cut it to third, and um, one of the momentum-changing plays, Murray pull-up three-pointer, in transition, it wasn't a great shot. Denver had all this momentum, and um, they – They kind of, I don't want to say squandered it on on any one play, but I think it was like a 10-0 run or 7-0 run or something like that, and then you get that pull-up in three in transition, which was, I would say, a C-minus shot, but one Murray can certainly take. He misses that, and it kind of stopped the bleeding for Philly. Um, But it does raise an interesting question, and that is why is Jamal Murray not getting a lot of three-pointers? As great of a player as he was, last night he gets one of three from the three-point line, and three attempts, when he played 37 minutes and he only gets three attempts, You know, you look at that and you think, how can you get him more? Well, I have one theory, and this is going to be on—I might just tweet these out rather than do an episode list. Maybe I'll do both if I get time later today. Like I said, this is a Saturday family day for me, Um, but uh, I'll try to maybe to get some of these things up. But um, one of the things with him is that the screens that they're being set— and I kind of kicked myself for not thinking of this earlier, but watching this here, this is a, a, like a light bulb goes on. The the, uh, the screens between him and Jokic are so often at the level of the three-point line or slightly above, like one step outside where Jokic's left foot uh, or, or back foot is on the three-point line and his high foot is, you know, whatever the length is of his gait outside of that. And what happens often is the defender goes over the screen, so you drop Joel Embiid. The defender goes over the screen to try to contest um, to contest him from behind. And you basically end up sandwiching Murray to where if he goes for, past the three point line, he has to go attack and beat. And if he stops and pops, then that defender can kind of contest from behind. Well, I think one of the ways that you can get out of that is if you set that screen, you know, three, four um, feet higher or more, teams like Dallas, um, Golden State, Portland, who have. Um, players who are a threat to kind of walk into the three-point line and shoot the three, players like that are, or teams like that are so good at getting that screen so high, whether it's from double high screens, which I've talked about a lot um, over the years about how useful that can be as sort of a quick transition action, but also just from Jokic. I mean, setting that screen at the logo rather than – You know, setting that screen at the logo rather than right at the three-point line, that allows Murray to turn the corner quickly and then slow into the three-point line for a pull-up three. And if you could just imagine chasing Murray, if the screen happens at the three-point line and you chase and you stop and pop, you can block that with, you know, out having to, like, recover a bunch of space. But if you have to take, like, one or two full steps then the then just to get to the three-point line, then you it's a lot harder to contest that one from, from behind. So one adjustment I think Michael Malone and the coaching staff can make is to start contesting the or start sending those screens a little bit higher and look for opportunities to get Murray ball screens higher up on the court. Um, they weren't doing that, and as a result, he's just not getting a lot of threes this year. Another benefit it also, of this, um, another um, setting benefit those screens higher is it gives Jokic more room for the you know, the quote unquote short roll. It becomes a little bit longer of a roll up top. But one of the things that was so great about Jokic back in two thousand seventeen, the year that he was just like hyper, hyper efficient, was he got so many opportunities to short roll. Now, the book is out on him a little. Teams know that he's so deadly there, so they you know, send quicker help. But when you send help to the free throw line, that's a lot different than sending help all the way to the top of the key. If we're setting that screen at the logo, Jokic catches it maybe at the three-point line or a step inside. Now he's got all that room to survey the court or attack on that little floater or all the way to the rim. And I think bringing the screen higher is going to really open up this Denver Nuggets offense in way in a, in a lot of different ways. So um, as, this is one of the things that's so encouraging about Denver is they haven't looked great, but they still are. You know the record is still so phenomenal. Like you look at what they do, and you think, man, they can get a lot better from where they're at. A lot of people, the conversation around the Nuggets this year has been, they don't, um, you know, they don't look like themselves. Jokic doesn't look like himself. They'd, maybe this is a regression year or whatever. They're six and two, and there's so many different things they can they can fix. So um, I think that starts with that one, and then. Jokic had a post up against Al Horford so there was a couple little runs and there was a couple big moments I would call them like inflection points where it could go either way and one of these was Jokic had Horford. Horford's a fantastic defender I really like him one of my favorites um, he got a one-on-one with Al Horford and it felt like a big moment Philly decided to stay home on that play I'm guessing with Horford in general teams just stay home and say okay we trust Horford can guard people in the post and Jokic went to kind of a, a tricky move around the basket and he gets blocked and it just felt like a momentum changer. Yokes a great, defense, a great offensive player. I and mean, this was just one of a, a million different plays. But it felt like one of those ones where if he makes that, Denver's run comes a lot earlier. Second unit comes in. It was, it was interesting that Brett Brown staggered Embiid's minutes to not be on the court with Jokic. Um, at least not too often. Obviously, to start and to end the game, yes. But there was a lot of bringing him out early, then putting him back in as soon as Jokic went to the bench. And that second unit got killed by Embiid. Plumlee, um, you know, Plumlee was getting eaten alive. I've always talked about how I don't like – Plumlee hustles, and he does a lot of things well, but I actually don't like the way he plays the post. He tries to block shots a lot more than I think he should. To me, post-defense, and this is why Jokic and Al Horford – and Horford does a little bit of both, but why I think Jokic is so good of a post-defender in addition to his size, and he's like a hard guy just to literally get around. But also – he's very good because he's a smart player. He knows what her shots are easy and knows what shots are hard. And he just always funnels players to the hard part of their, their moves and really good post players. You know, even their hard shots are good ones so that he can still, he's still susceptible to, to certain types of players, but, Plumley rather lets Embiid get exactly where he wants to go and then tries to block him, and you just can't do that. And, and Embiid started eating him alive. You could tell Embiid got very comfortable that third quarter. There was a run there of about three minutes when Plumley was in when Embiid really r- collected all of his stats, quite frankly. But he was playing really, really well and just was so feasting. But one thing I will give that second unit, as bad as they were, and they were what, you know, the, the big reason of why Denver found, fell so far behind, the one thing that they did that was so evident in this game – they really picked up the pace. You're talking about a unit that has Monte Morris, uh, Malik Beasley, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee. Man, who was the other guy that was on the court there? Oh, Michael Porter Jr., another great, phenomenal athlete. We got a lot of, we got some Michael Porter Jr. minutes today, which was nice, even though he wasn't really a big part of the storyline. He might have leapfrogged Torrey Craig. Let me talk about that in a second. I'm going to put a pin in it. Um, but that unit just so fast and so willing to run that. When you watch that quarter, they were the play, the good offensive plays they made were to get out and run, but they also just sped up the pace of the game. And as much as as Philly was rolling, that team was very tired at the end, a long end of a long road trip for them, and especially Embiid just ran out of gas. He was dominating in that quarter, but he was also having to chase Plumlee up and down the court and chase everybody in transition, and I think it went a long way uh, to wearing him down. Now I, I mentioned the Tory Craig piece. It's an interesting one because Tory Craig, you know, you've listened to me. I've been hard on him enough, but we talk about earning it. Denver is six and two, and we might be at the point. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we might be at the point where, at the least, Michael Porter Jr. is starting to split minutes with Torrey Craig, and I just think that alone is a big, big step. Where it's like, okay, Torrey Craig's gonna to play a little, MPJ's gonna play a little. Let's Do what you can with those minutes. And um, when Malone said the opportunity is gonna come at some point, you know, I think this is a big piece of what he meant by that because um, you're seeing, uh, you're starting to see him a little bit more
1: and more. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs.
0: Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, getting into the fourth quarter now. Don't forget to subscribe. $3.74. Don't want to say too much, but I don't know how much longer it's going to be that price. Let me just throw that out there. I don't know how much longer we're going to be just giving away this great offer that we have. You also get a free t-shirt when you use promo code MARES, M-A-R-E-S. You get a tree T-shirt code, which you can use to get any of our awesome merchandise on, on there. And, yes, we do have some cool stuff. Some people have been asking me, are there new stuff coming out? You get a promo code when you sign up. So even if you don't love any of the designs that we have up there right now, there's always new ones coming out. And, you know, you can bet that D-Line Co, the best sports artist in all of Denver, is, you know, he's he's bringing the heat. I've already seen some of the stuff, and it's, it's really, really good. Um, fourth quarter opens, and Denver falls behind by 21 points. So you, you, to set the table, they were actually down, I think, with like 10 minutes and 50 seconds by when they were down by 21 points. And so you're looking at it and you think, man, this is – it's actually ironic. You want to make it – you want to know something funny. A week ago, we were watching Michael Porter Jr. ride the pine when Denver was up 21 points and thinking, what the heck, Malone? What the heck? Why don't you get him in? This is 21 points. The lead is safe. Well, apparently, in a, in a funny way, Malone proved the point that, no, actually, it's not safe because we are capable of coming back from that much, and so uh, and so there you go. Now, Millsap was absolutely huge, as I mentioned. Just in that fourth quarter, he's just so good. So, so, so good. I easily, he's one of the most important players on the Snuggish roster. Let's put it that way. So, a lot of the, your casual, you, this is one way, It's like a calibration test for how well does a person you're, you're talking to understand basketball or, or even just watch the Nuggets. Cause I think anybody that watches them knows, like watches them consistently. He was huge, absolutely huge to spark that defense and just made play after play whether it was on Bede. You know, it's funny, he tried to dunk on Embiid and Embiid blocked him and it was a huge play and like, look, Embiid's phenomenal, man. There's a reason guys don't test him because he does that when you do test him. But, you know, Millsap got him back on a similar play where, and Bede went up for that one-handed tomahawk dunk that would have probably ended the game. And he ripped him right out of it. And it's like, okay, it's a less sexy play, but it's all the same. It changed from an automatic two points to, nope, a steal. It was just so big. Um, two threes. Um, first one helps sp- uh, spark the run from Millsap, that first one. Um, so he gets that steal, goes the length of the court, and hits a corner three. His three-point shot has just been on the money so far. Knock on wood. Knock on wood because uh, he, him knocking down shots is, is really – offensively it's the biggest part of his contribution at this point um but a 10-0 run so they fall down 21 a 10-0 run and it was capped by Jokic hitting a much needed three-pointer the floodgates kind of open for him he hit one in the third and then I think he hits two in the in the fourth and it was just like you could feel the like the like pressure from the Pepsi Center just kind of leave the building because all game he had been missing him and you're just like oh my god finally he starts to knock him down and here's a testament to him here's a big sort of thing for Jokic. Malone has talked about him needing to be more aggressive. We need him to be a much more aggressive player. In this game, what was needed for him most was to continue to take that three. And I think he was one of eight at one point. One of eight. Put yourself in his shoes. How many guys would continue to shoot that shot and step into it with confidence when you're shot that poorly? To me, that's a big, big sort of sign of of toughness. And this isn't the first time. He's had nights like this before where you, you look at his box score after halftime and you're like, oh, my God, inefficient night, 2 of 12. And then he ends up finishing, like, 10 of 20, and you're just like, oh, my God, how does he do it every time? But he stuck with it. Um, all those defensive plays by, by Millsap, Embiid was absolutely gassed. So many tweets, so many tweets about Jokic being fat and out of shape and this or that, and Jokic dropped 16 points in the fourth while Embiid – if you were at the games, I think this translated to television. I watched it, you know, the second half today, and you could see it, but really see it when you were at the arena. Every dead ball, every timeout, Embiid looked like he wanted to die. Embiid, hands on the knees, absolutely gassed, and you could, and I think the Nuggets players saw it too, and, and, and Brett Brown pulled him out for a portion of it, put Al Horford in, but he pulled him out. Jokic played the whole fourth. Murray played, I think, the whole second half. Um, the reason that you do that, those guys were able to do that in large part was because you could just tell how Gaston bead was. And every minute that he had to come out, um, you just felt like, okay, here's some, a big momentum go, uh, shifter. And then Jokic's hands are so wild. I put this one up on Twitter already, but. Murray, Murray I, need, I have to give Murray a shout out on some of the passes, the, the 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 angled passes that he's making in the pick and roll. He had one in particular late in the game to Jokic. Maybe I have a note of it. But um, just the 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 angle and stuff that he has on the bounce, the going over the top, contorting his body to be able to find the seam to get the passes through on the pick and roll. I've always said if you get the ball to Jokic on the short roll, n- Nuggets score almost every time. Well, Murray has really improved in that regard um and and it's really great to see but Jokic's hands are wild he threw one Murray throws one bullet pass to him that he caught with one hand that I don't know LeBron James has great hands so maybe him I don't know what other player in the NBA would have caught that pass I think it's LeBron and Jokic are the two only two players in the world that can catch that one it was like through traffic might have even been tipped and he just sucks it up with his suction cup hands it was absolutely wild um the challenge by Malone was huge so you, Embiid backs down Jokic and draws a foul. Those two guys so big and they're both like, to be honest, they both sort of flop and they both try to like accentuate what I think are like, in the post is so tricky and really how it's officiated just means everything. Well, Embiid kind of grabs Jokic's arm. Um, in my opinion, a legal play he Kind of pins Jokic's arm And then goes up with it So like Jokic reached, got his hand in the cookie jar And bead traps it and then goes up And he makes it, he just throws it over his head Complete lucky shot, but he makes it And that was going to be a three-point play Malone challenged it And he lost the challenge that it wasn't a foul But he won the challenge that um, it wasn't a shooting foul And honestly, that was even better because it saved three points. It was an and one. They have to take it out. And I think they end up getting one point on that possession. They get another free throw and, only, and go one for two. But that was huge. That was an absolutely massive challenge. A great job by Malone to challenge that. It was funny because when it happened, I'm sitting on press row and I'm questioning him. I'm like, oh man, what do you use your challenge for there? Like egg on my face. Malone knew exactly what he was doing. Um, Jokic hit two threes in the fourth and Embiid started guarding him differently. So The fact that Jokic missed so many shots early allowed Embiid to get away with that drop coverage where he's just protecting the rim and and Denver's not getting good looks out of it. Well, back-to-back three-pointers basically in the fourth, and all of a sudden Embiid's worried. Now you're in a six-point game, and Embiid is so worried about Jokic knocking down the pop that he's not even – not only is he not dropping on the pick-and-roll anymore, but he's not showing for very long. So if you imagine that screen – Murray turns the corner, and Embiid kind of shows on it, but Murray's, Murray's becoming a smart player, and I, just, I love this about him. Murray reads it and knows that he's going to recover to Yoke, hesitates, waits for Embiid to go, and then he gets to the rim, and that was basically happening the full fourth. Part of why the floodgates opened in that fourth quarter was because Jokic started hitting the three and because Embiid could no longer play that prevent defense that he was getting away with for so much. Um, so Jokic knocking down the three is such a big, big part of it. Will Barton had a great stunt on the drive um on a drive I've talked about stunting a bit maybe I should do a, a series on it or something but Barton's in the corner Tobias Harris catches it on the wing and so you're one pass away and Barton uses his length his long arms his long legs he gets wide and he stunts as if he's going to switch to Tobias but then he closes back out on the corner and what a stunt is is it, you make it look like you're going but you don't actually you it's like a fake I'm faking like I'm switching over but I'm not actually fully switching over and he stunts and Tobias Harris picks up the ball and Tobias Harris throws it to the corner for uh, Will Barton to, to intercept, basically. So he basically tricked him into it, and it was a great, great play. <laughs> hey. Um, so. So that was a big one. Barton had a couple of really, really big-time plays in this one. Very next play, he had a game-saving block shot. So there's a turnover. Jamal Murray, it's a five-point game. Jamal Murray turns it over um, because of the length. He gets trapped up top. Ball gets deflected. And everybody else in the Nuggets kind of quit, except Murray sprints back. But Barton trails the play. It's like a three or four on two. And Barton trails the play, gets the block, saves a layup that with two minutes to go, would have made it a seven point game. Instead, it's a five point game. Barton gets the block, saves that one. And then on the other end, Millsap hits the other three. I mentioned both of them were huge. That was one. So it goes from a, what would have been a seven point lead, almost a surefire seven point lead to a two point lead in seconds. And it was all because Barton did not give up on the play and he gets back and makes a, a big time block. Um, Denver got a stop the next time down, but then Barton had that awful turnover where he hand, tried to hand it off to Murray, and it just was like one of those plays where he got a little sloppy. The team, it, it's a little bit Murray's fault for not getting open. Like Murray just has to be better at getting open in that moment, but it's also Barton. Barton's the guy that threw the pass, so it's, it's his fault. Um, so he had that awful one, but then on the very next play, he redeems himself, and he hits this tough, contested three. Nuggets run in action, don't get anything out of it. Barton kind of backs up and then just pulls up like just with a guy in his face contested 3 and knocks it down what a tough shot boy are you happy to have will barton right now nuggets nation even the biggest haters have to be like questioning themselves and hopefully they do a little self reflection is good um horford airballed it airballed a shot um this again that that group was just so tired they were fatigued um and then of course that final possession that gave denver a chance the final play Another pick-and-roll opportunity. Murray delivers a perfect pass. Absolutely perfect pass. Horford has to show hard on the screen because they're worried about Murray. Um, Gets it to a wide-open Jokic, but because, again, Horford's a great defender. He's very good at playing the passing lanes. I don't remember who was on ball, but... Murray had to make a very well-timed tough angled pass and he does it delivers it perfectly and then Jokic makes a good pass bad read like he shouldn't have made that pass he shouldn't have made it but he did a good job of delivering it to to Millsap after the game Millsap said I could see the play unfolding and I could see before Jokic even threw it that he was going to throw it to me and I could also see that I wasn't going to be open Jokic said the same thing he basically said oh yes as soon as I went in to pass it I could tell this was a bad decision so both players I think kind of funny that they both kind of stumbled into this but Millsap What I love about him is he said, as soon as I saw the pass coming, I started planning on catching it and getting out of that because I just knew everybody was going to collapse on me and I knew I had to dribble out to the corner. So if you watch, he catches it. He's strong with the ball and he gets to a spot to where he could throw it to Jokic for the game winner. Absolute beautiful moment. Beautiful moment at Pepsi Center. The crowd was absolutely insane. I wish every Nuggets fan could have been there for that specific second in time because it was absolutely insane to see the crowd just rewarded in that way. And uh after the game of course Embiid gets the offensive foul and a shove. Sixers fans salty about it, but it was a shove. I mean, look, you could say do you call it in that situation whatever, but he absolutely shoved him. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Um but then the, after the game Will Barton who is always we call him the reverend, but he's always the team's sort of spokesperson because he's so articulate, so um and and just so insightful. Barton's a smart guy, man. He sees it. He sees um what's going on with the team and he, to set the stage, Will Barton came up and, in Portland. I think he was drafted the same – no, a year before Dame, I believe. Um, but those guys are really, really good friends. And more to the point, Barton um, just admires him. He calls him the best leader he's ever been around. This is number one. He says the best leader he's ever been around, but also just this incredible teammate and competitor. And last night, Will Barton, who does not BS, by the way. Will Barton doesn't say things he doesn't believe. Will Barton will keep it at 100, and that's one of the things everybody loves about him on the team. Will Barton keeps it 100, and after the game, he said, I never thought, he said that Barton reminds him of Dame because of how competitive he is, he's fierce, he said, um, we have to tweet up on our Instagram page, which if you're not following, you're missing out on all this cool graphics and then these cool quotes that we post every single day for, across all sports, but he said, um, you know, he's he reminds him a lot of Damian Lillard, and he he, was, he said, look, he's not, I don't think he's there yet, but he does, I never thought I would say another player reminded me of Dame because he was, you know, he's so unique and so special, so... That is high praise for a guy like Will Barton, who is one, knows what he's talking about, two, would never say it if he didn't mean it, and three, like he saw Jamal Murray as a pup. You know, he's seen him the last few years as a player that was talented but flawed. So for him to give that sort of praise to Jamal Murray, I could not be. Everybody knows that I have been a Jamal Murray skeptic, and there's still some parts of his game that, you know, give me pause, but the maturity from him. We've thought this. We talked about this as media, but you know we're all seeing it and hearing it with our own eyes and ears. But just the difference between him this year and last year—it's unmistakable. And I, I, in a weird way, I feel proud for, proud of him because of you know just seeing him kind of grow up before our eyes in that way but you know he really truly is leading this team and we asked for a long time like who's going to be the leader we didn't know if Jokic was that type and of course leadership isn't this any one thing like Paul Millsap's a leader, Monte Morris is a leader like there's all kinds of different leaders but when we talk about the leader the player that sort of takes it on themselves to say, to will a team to victory, to speak when they need to speak and be quiet when they need to be quiet, but also has the wisdom to take on that role. It's not just about the will. There's a lot of people willing to be a leader, but not the talent or the wisdom. Murray kind of growing into that wisdom um, has been quite a sight to behold. And, and, And for Barton to give that up, Barton of all people, You know, there are a lot of players out there that maybe will exaggerate this or that. Barton's not one of them. So for him to give that up, it was a special, special moment um, in Jamal Murray's arc and uh, just a fantastic performance by him. And also another thing, the willingness for Jamal Murray to give up the ball in that moment. Now, I know it was a design play, but Murray had a great game, played hard. Unlike Jokic, had a great first, second, third, and fourth quarter. And for him to give it up, be willing to give it up, I think Nuggets Nation has to be great, uh, be really happy um, with sort of the dynamic duo that has built and established itself here in Denver. A phenomenal partnership and a team that is just—it looks like back on track. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you're enjoying your weekend. But I knew you'd want to hear this one. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll be back on Monday with all of our full coverage over at DNVR.